Let us turn once again to the book of Psalms. This evening, Psalm 116. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul. The Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord, now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Let us also read from one of our confessions, the Heidelberg Catechism. We're going to read most of Lord's Day 16 this evening concerning the death of Christ and the death of Christians. Therefore, also our own death, unless the Lord returns before that. There is also question and answer 44 about Christ's descent into hell. Very worthwhile focusing on, but it's a big topic, brothers and sisters, and we won't have time for that this evening. But I hope I or some other preacher will have opportunity to focus on that for you. So this evening, question and answers 40 through 43. Why did Christ have to suffer death? Because God's justice and truth require it. Nothing else could pay for our sins except the death of the Son of God. 
Why was he buried? His burial testified that he really died. Since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? Our death is not a payment for our sins, but only a dying to sins and an entering into eternal life. What further benefit do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? By his power, our old man is crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us, but that instead we may offer ourselves as a sacrifice of thanksgiving to him. So far, the confessional reading. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, we read together Psalm 116. It's a beloved psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. But it does also contain one verse that, when you think about it, it's not easy to read. It's not easy to sing either. It's verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious and death. Those are two words that may not be easy to hold together. Yes, there are times when the death of a saint is also a relief. Still a sadness, but also a relief. Perhaps in old age, someone's body and mind have become so frail. And the suffering... The difficulty, even for the most simple things, swallowing something to drink becomes so difficult. And then, when the Lord at his appointed time takes such an elderly, frail saint home to glory, well, there is also a certain relief there. And maybe we can even bring that word precious But we all know that not every death is like that. There are other deaths. Earlier in life, death under difficult circumstances, and it's actually hard, truth be told, to say precious and death close to each other. Yes, it is precious in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord does see things differently than we do. 
But we are to learn to see things as the Lord sees them, are we not? And then how can we say, how can we echo, how can we give our amen to precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Particularly, brothers and sisters, when we search the scriptures and find that that word precious is connected to gems, diamonds, sapphires, emeralds, rubies. Let me give you two passages. First of all, 1 Kings 10 verse 10. This is about the queen of Sheba when she came to visit King Solomon. And the scripture says she gave to King Solomon 120 talents of gold, large quantities of spices and precious stones. Exactly the same word as Psalm 116. Precious stones, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Similarly, 2 Chronicles chapter 3 verse 6. When Solomon was finished or coming to the finishing stages of building the temple, then scripture says Solomon adorned the temple with precious stones. The gold he used was the gold of Parvayim. How can death be like a diamond in the sight of the Lord? That's an honest question. We hope to explore it this evening. But we need to start, brothers and sisters, by not thinking of the death of the saints. Our death, we will certainly come there. But the death first of the Holy One, Christ. And what his unique death does also to our death. It is completely transformed, as we will see. Conquered by Christ, death is transformed. It becomes something very different for us. And we will see this by focusing then first on the death of the Holy One, Christ, then the death of Christians, and finally, the death of our old nature. If we thought that the psalm and the inspired psalmist is having a two rose colored view of death saying in verse 15 precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints death like a diamond if we think that that's unrealistic if that's coating over the harder and sadder realities of life then we need to turn back to the beginning of the psalm again where death is pictured in another way. There we hear verse 3, the pains of death surrounded me and the pangs of Sheol, that is the grave, laid hold on me. There we have the picture in poetry, brothers and sisters, of death as an attacker, death as an enemy, death as a foreigner, that comes into the land of the living and as it were lays hold, captures, takes prisoner people. Here death is not glittering like a diamond but threatening like a foe. 
After all, does the scripture not say that death is the last enemy? And indeed it is. God did not create us to die. God created us to live. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve to live. It was only because of sin that death entered the world. It's not the way that God made things to be. And in that sense, it's the foreigner. It's the enemy that's come into God's good creation. And when death comes close, there is pain. There are pangs. Suffering of the body, suffering of the soul, suffering of the loved ones around who may be left behind in due time. Death is miserable. Death is hard. And neither the scriptures nor we are going to just paper over that and make it sound any easier than it really is. In fact, the Bible is rather open and honest about the realities of death. And it begins already in Genesis chapter 5. You know, Genesis chapter 5 is that remarkable chapter in the Bible that describes how long, how almost unthinkably long some of the first world citizens lived. Let me just read a few verses here. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. And after he had his first son begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Okay. Can you even wrap your mind around that, brothers and sisters? Having your first child when you're 105? We can't think of that. We can't work in that framework anymore. And then to live 807 years after your firstborn son? So all the days of Seth were 912 years years and we read that and our mind spins and we say wow what a lifetime almost a millennium almost 1000 years what would that be like how many generations would you see but then the Holy Spirit says even though he lived such an incredibly long time he died he died Brothers and sisters, the pains of death and the pangs of Sheol laid hold on Seth. And he breathed his last. And so it goes generation after generation. We think of Genesis 5 as the genealogy and as the record of these long living people. Yes, yes but not complete. It's just as much a necrology, a record of the dying, as it is a genealogy, the record of the births. For verse after verse, 
we hear. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years. And he died. Canaan lived 910 years. But death got a hold of him, brothers and sisters, and he died, and he died, and he died. And so it has continued in the history of this world. Babies are born, people live, they have active and vibrant lives, but... And he died, and she died. One a little older, one not so old. The graveyards, the cemeteries... Even, I learned today coming here to Bowmanville, very small cemetery just outside your church building. That little cemetery there says, and they too died. It's a reality after the fall that no one can escape. And it causes trouble, sorrow, pains, and pangs. And then we read in Mark chapter 15 that one other person died. In that long, long list of people who have died in this world, Mark chapter 15, verse 35. Some of those who stood by, when they heard that, they said, Look, he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran, filled the sponge with a full of sour wine, put it on a reed, offered it to him to drink, saying, Leave him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. But Elijah did not come to take him down. And Jesus, Seth died, Enosh died, Mahalalel died, even Methuselah died. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he breathed his last. And he too died. One more victim for the enemy called death? No, brothers and sisters. Thankfully, graciously, Marvelously, divine designed. No, that he breathed his last was not one more victim in the long, long necrology of world history. Yes, he really died. He really breathed his last. His burial testifies to it, as the Catechism says. He died just as certainly as any other human being has died. But not as a victim. As a victor. For in that last breath. Normally speaking brothers and sisters. What is that last breath? That last breath before we die. That's the moment of the greatest frailty. That's the moment of the greatest weakness. It's just one last leaving of the air out of the lungs. But with Jesus Christ, it was not one last moment of human weakness. He breathed his last. And the victory was already beginning. 
For as he breathed his last and he died, the full and complete payment for all of our sins, also all of your own sins, was paid. You see, at a certain point on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ said, it's finished. And you might ask, if the Lord said, it's finished, why didn't the Lord at that point take him like Elijah in the fiery chariot and just whisk him from the cross to the right hand of the Father? Why did Jesus Christ have to go through that last breath as well? If he had suffered already the horrors of hell, But God was not going to allow, for our sake, an incomplete salvation from sin. It was not going to be incomplete even to a sliver. No. The wages of sin is death. Therefore, the Savior from sin had to die. God maintained his justice, as the Catechism says. And that is so comforting for us. Your sins have not been half dealt with, brothers and sisters. They've not been 95% dealt with. There's not this one part that's still hanging there, untouched. No. The wages of sin have been fully, legally, properly, and in reality. Walk through by your Savior, Jesus Christ. He breathed his last and so conquered sin. But he not only conquered sin, In dying, he also conquered death itself. You see, he was the Holy One. And how could a Holy One, without sin, die? Well, that Holy One did die for us, but he couldn't stay dead. As it says in the book of Acts, the cords of death could not hold him. There was something about his Holiness. There was something about the fact that he too is God. That it just couldn't stay that way. And it didn't. Right away. On the third day. At the very first light of dawn. He broke the chains of death. And so that Psalm 116. Becomes a whole new reality. When we hear that through the salvation of the Lord. The shackles. The bondage ropes are broken. Verse 16, you have loosed my bonds. Sometimes it's said in poetry, you've broken my shackles. Yeah, death is like a rope. Death is like something that comes around us and captures us. The last breath exhaled from our Savior on the cross. And already in principle, blessed, glorious, graceful principle, the shackles of death around us were snapped in Christ. Sin was conquered. Death was conquered. And the devil went down to defeat. In the book of Hebrews, the Lord explains that the devil is one who loves to use and manipulate the power and also the fear of death that is naturally within human beings. Reading from verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 2, Inasmuch then, 
As the children have partaken of flesh and blood, we're all flesh and blood. Christ himself, likewise, shared in the same flesh and blood. That, listen to this, through death, his death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release, break the shackles, release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Brothers and sisters, that is where so many in this world are at. They may not say it, they may not admit it, they may not want to talk about it, but there is this fear of death. And sometimes people will say, look, you don't have to be afraid of death, it's just a natural process. People are afraid of death. Why do we think that there's such a movement towards made and assisted dying? People are afraid of going through death. And the devil loves that fear. He loves to manipulate. He loves to intimidate people. But when Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, breathed that last breath, he put the devil down to defeat. Because in and through Christ, the devil can no longer come to you. He can no longer come to me and manipulate us with the fear of death. Oh devil, death has been conquered in our Lord and Savior. Don't threaten us with it anymore, we may confess. Do you see then how that verse 15 of Psalm 116, yes, a difficult verse to read. Let me come back to that in just a moment. A difficult verse sometimes to sing. But when we start with Christ, the Holy One, saint means holy ones, but there is a Holy One who comes before all holy ones, and that is Jesus Christ, our mediator, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death, first of all, of his Holy One, Jesus Christ. Because when the Lord sees that death, the Lord knows sin has been conquered. Death itself has been conquered. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? And even that arch enemy of God, the devil, has been conquered. One last breath. Three mighty, merciful victories. His death is a diamond in the eyes of the Lord. Absolutely. But then the Catechism asks a very understandable a very relevant question. When we read and confessed, since Christ has died for us, really died for us, why do we still have to go through it? That's not some type of theoretical, theological, curious question that people may have. No, honestly. Why do we still have to die? 
as Christians. Already in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 5, there was that incredible exception. And he died, and he died, and he died. Yes, but maybe you were wondering why I didn't read the verse about Enoch. We needed to save it for now. Verse 24. And Enoch, after 365 years, he walked with God. And he died? No. And he was not. For God took him. However exactly that happened. But Enoch did not breathe his last. Enoch was transported. He was transferred from walk in the land of the living to the very presence of his God in heaven. Why? Because of what Christ has done, brothers and sisters, why could we not receive the Enoch ending to our lives? It's a legitimate question. And the answer is this. God, through the power of the Spirit, has not joined us to Enoch. He's joined us to Christ. We are. Our baptism confirms it. We are united with our Savior in his death and in his resurrection. And Christ did not get the Enoch ending. He breathed his last. He was laid in the grave, in the tomb, and united to Christ, lest unless Christ comes sooner. But brothers and sisters, we will breathe our last. We will also have to be laid in the grave, our body. And that can be very hard. And we don't want to in any way make light or easy what that struggle with death all involves for the person dying for those who surround the person dying it's an enemy enemies are not nice but brothers and sisters when we come to those moments or even months, years later, we're still working through the grief where that happens too. Then look first not to the one who has died, but look first, brothers and sisters, to the Christ who has conquered death. For Christ transforms death for us into something different. Did you notice how the catechism summarizing the scripture uses the word entering? An entrance. A door. A threshold. Normally when people speak about death they speak about the closing of life, the closing of a chapter of decline. They speak about the end of a life. 
But Christ takes end, closing, and he's turned it around. He's changed it into entering. A door. A door to what? Brothers and sisters, there is a sign, as it were. There is a sign on that door. That door that is the entrance into eternal life. And that door says, worldly misery no more. The door says, worldly misery no more. Whether longer or shorter, everyone who goes through this life suffers the groaning, suffers the hardships, suffers the fact that life, because of sin, just isn't what God created it to be. It ought not to be. We don't. We shouldn't have to go through this, but we do because of sin. And then in Christ, the death of his saints are transformed, so it's an entering worldly misery no more. Not temporary reprieve, no more. And throughout all of our earthly sojourn, we struggle with sin. We struggle with temptation. Yeah, it's another day. It's a beautiful day. It's a sunny day. Yeah, it is. But it's another battle day. Going to be up against temptation. Temptation's going to get the better hand here or there. It's another day that we're going to end having to ask for forgiveness. But Christ has so transformed death into a door that that door has a sign on it, as it were. Struggle against sin. No more. So long as we're in this land, the land of the living, oh, that Satan, that devil, comes at us from this way, he comes at us from that way, principle he's defeated but he's still prowling around like a roaring lion make no mistake about it and he is so bent on making life difficult dragging down separating creating all kinds of hardships for God's people we are in his sight and it's exhausting sometimes the battle against the forces of evil but there is a door brothers and sisters Yes, we call it death, but transformed by Christ, it's a door that says, harassed by the devil, no more. Worldly misery, no more. Struggle against sin, no more. Harassing from the devil, no more. And there's even one more line on the sign of that door. And it says, Death no more. The portal of death is into the house of no death. It cannot reach beyond that door anymore. And yes, through the grief and the very legitimate tears and sorrows, in the sight of God, but then through the power of the Spirit, may it 
even if it only starts to glimmer a little bit sometimes, brothers and sisters, because it can be hard. But can we in faith begin to see that there is something precious about the door that says no more to all of that result of the fall into sin. There is something diamond about that. Briefly, one last thing. The catechism very realistically says, yes, that's for then, when we come close to our last breath. And we know not when that day is. Of course, we could die any day. But when you're still in the land of the living and you have your health and you have your strength, you can look forward to the door that has been transformed from death. You're still living here. Still have to get up and go to work tomorrow. Is there any benefit blessing now? Yes. What further benefit do we receive from the sacrifice in Christ, the sacrifice and death of Christ on the cross? By his power, our old man is crucified, put to death and buried with him. Crucified, brothers and sisters. That's how he died. You say, I say, yeah, if there's any part of me that seems to still have all kinds of strength and vigor, even on into old age, my body may be weak and my mind may not be so strong as it once was, but if there's one part of me that is still very, very vibrant, sadly, it's that old, stubborn, foolish, sinful nature. That's precisely what makes my every day such a battle. But in Christ, brothers and sisters, that sinful nature of you and of me, make no mistake about it, is nailed to the cross. It's crucified. Crucifixion is a long, drawn-out death. It's a horrific death, but it's also a long death. The fact that Jesus Christ was crucified in one day and died within that same day, that's the exception. That's because he himself gave his spirit. That was not normal. Crucifixion was normally death over days. Horrible to think about, but that's the reality. It takes time for the sinful nature to go through those steps. Crucified, put to death, and buried. But Christ gives you this assurance. Through him, your old sinful nature is already nailed to the cross. It may not be dead and inactive, far from it, but it is dying. And that too is something very precious in the sight of the Lord and by faith in our sight too. 
precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his Holy One, Jesus Christ. Hold on to that, brothers and sisters. Hold on to that in faith. Also, when you face the realities of death and grief. And in that way, death has a different perspective for Christians as well. Amen. Let us pray to the Lord. O Lord, in the Garden of Eden, you came to our first father, Adam, through him also to our first mother, Eve, and you gave a very clear warning. In the day that you sin, in the day that you eat of the tree, that I, the Lord, have specifically told you not to eat, you shall surely die. They sinned. Death entered the world. Spiritual death. Physical death. Eternal death. And even as the Proverbs say, death and destruction go together. It's so true, so true. Death not only brings the this disintegration of a physical body, but death, O oh Lord, brings separation, separation of body and soul, separation of loved ones. Leading up to death, there's struggle, there's pain. It can be difficult on so many different levels. And we, like the psalmist, Pray, O Lord, deliver us from death. And we, now in a far richer way than even the psalmist of Psalm 116 could know, even though the Spirit of Christ in him was pointing him in that direction, we may say, Yes, in our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, even that last enemy, death, has been conquered and transformed. No longer being a payment for sin, but now the door, the door to everlasting glory. O oh Lord, we pray, help us that when death draws near in whichever way that we clinging to our Savior in faith may step forward through all of our, our, all of our ordained days in the land of the living and even step through as it were that portal of death not in fear but in faith there to behold the glories of you, your Son, and the Holy Spirit, our great, gracious, and glorious God. Help also those who may 
in a certain way, struggle deeply with the realities of grief. Father in heaven, sometimes this grief lingers in the soul, perhaps almost hidden from the sight of others. O Lord, it's not hidden from your sight. Reach in with your spirit and grant the comfort and consolation that you alone can give. Help these brothers and sisters, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.